Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. This week, Patricia has an article for us. Um, do you want to tell us high level what your article is going to be about? Yeah, so this article is all about safety at work. Um, and high-level summary, it's basically about how abusive supervisors can actually lead to people feeling like they don't belong in the work group and therefore leading to some unintentional um, safety lapses. So basically, if you're an abusive supervisor, your people feel like they don't belong, and then that kind of makes them not pay attention to safety in the same way. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I'll be curious to hear more about why they... Uh, see that link but I would imagine you probably have a lot of other things on your mind if you're in that circumstance that might crowd out your ability to think as clearly about being safe because um, that's quite overwhelming situation to have an abusive supervisor yeah I, I mean it's really also about how if you don't feel like you belong you don't really think about the work group as a whole mm-hmm. so you're kind of seeing yourself as an outsider and and that makes you basically makes you feel like it's not intentional it's not like these people are intentionally doing anything where they right um are being less safe it's just more they're not likely to take that extra time extra steps for safety Hmm. because they're just not thinking about themselves as part of the group and so that group type of behavior isn't something that they think about doing that's cool. That's very interesting. Um, well, uh, I like the topic of abusive supervision. I have a couple of uh, research articles on that topic myself, and I have like a data set right now that we've been collecting for a while on that topic. So I'll be curious to hear this because I haven't seen it linked to safety behavior before. Safety is very important. And of course, safety is a topic right now that's top of mind for companies because Lots and lots of companies uh, that are deemed essential that still have to operate are trying to figure out how to do that um, and in a safe way. I know a lot of my students that work for, um, like, for example, like Amazon is considered essential. And so um, they've been, you know, discussing the steps that they're taking to try to make sure people are not catching anything. And then other students of mine are in, like, transportation industry And that's essential. And so they have to figure out vehicle disinfecting and all that kind of stuff uh, to try to make sure that all of the services can still continue. So uh, I guess some of these things would probably fall under now like a safety behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely thought this was super relevant because of the safety piece. I was just thinking about like what what is entailed in safety today. And I mean, there's like the the common things that you think about the more traditional safety pieces, right? So if you're in transportation, it's like driving safely, um, making sure machines are working properly and you're paying attention. So you don't like stick your finger under a machine that cuts things or whatever. Um, you know, if you're stocking in a grocery store, there's like physical lifting types of safety things that you need to think about. Like there's a lot of stuff like that. That's just common, Mm -hmm. um, in many, many jobs, But then there's also this new layer right now, um, which is why I thought this article was interesting, is just because we now have this additional layer of safety, where safety is very important in a lot of jobs right now, probably Mm -hmm. more jobs than before, um, where it's top of mind. And I think it's really important to make sure that we're not being awful to our employees so that we can continue and be safe during this uncertain 
time with everything going on with coronavirus. Yeah, totally. No, I think that's a really good point. And there are certain companies that just have a better focus on safety overall. So they'll probably be ones that are better able to respond because they already have like a climate for safety. It's harder when you don't have um, when you haven't grown that climate for safety already, I think, to respond to these kinds of things. I remember when we right. were in grad school, um, I think Kevin, one of our professors, uh, was working on a court case uh, for like Domino's pizza because they had that like 30 minute get your pizza in 30 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And it was causing so many people to have like terrible car accidents. And like they basically were telling the people delivering the pizzas that like if they didn't get it thir- in 30 minutes or less that they would have to like give some of their tip money to cover the pizza that was lost. And so the drivers were driving like complete maniacs and like um, it was this huge like health and safety issue. That's why you don't like see those things anymore. But I feel like when I first heard about that, um, that's when I first started like being interested in safety in the workplace. And so like in my classes and stuff, we talk a lot about different like case law around safety. And um, it's interesting how certain companies grow like a climate for safety um, and other companies are just so much more flagrant about it. But like if something bad happens on the job, like for Domino's, they lost so much money because it was like they basically were promoting bad safety Whereas there's like this other case law that we talk about in like manufacturing plant where they had a really strong climate for safety and they had really good safety trainings. And a guy decided to walk on top of a cement mixer Mm. and he and he fell in. It's like horrible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he fell in. And so the family sued the company. But because the company had such strong safety training programs and because the employee like clearly broke the rules and regulations of the company and he had never broken them before. Like there were, there wasn't any reason to think that he was an unsafe employee, whatever. Like they did not end up winning that case because the company had done such a good job up front of safety culture. So I'd have to imagine that like in companies where kind of safety is an afterthought versus companies where they really have this like strong intention, like bad things can happen wherever, but I bet it's a lot easier for companies like that to react. Yeah. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about the fact that, you know, if you already have to focus on this, it's going to be so much easier to adjust. And I, I think your Domino's example is really interesting because Danny actually got into a car accident like in 2006, I think, um, with a UPS truck. Oh. And the UPS truck ran a red light um, and just zoomed right through the intersection. Hmm. And he was able to slam on his brakes, but he still like basically hit hit the car on the side like hit the side of the truck and he was in a big truck so he was okay the car was totaled but there were people in the intersection and because of the way danny hit the car it actually stopped him from hitting people that were in the intersection. oh wow wow Um, that's crazy it was crazy but so anyways and the guy almost drove off but then he stopped and he pulled over and they you know exchanged information and ups like paid you know, for basically Danny just got a new car from it and all this stuff. But it was, it was just so crazy because they were just ready, immediately ready to settle because I think that it was the same kind of thing as Domino's where they need to get their deliveries to certain places by certain times Mm -hmm. and they just didn't care and they were just throwing money at these accidents. But I don't know, I don't know if that's changed or not. We don't really know. Like they just settled it. Um, I hope it's changed. But yeah. I do think that there's also this whole idea of like prime delivery on Amazon and like different things right. where you get deliveries get so by fast. a certain period of time that mm-hmm. I bet you that there's still some safety issues and concerns there. Yeah. Um, 
But when you're thinking about coronavirus, like I'm just thinking about businesses and how they're handling it and how they're handling safety of their employees. And I think that that's going to have big effects on businesses moving forward. So those companies that are not doing a good job of taking care of people and thinking about safety and health are going to struggle afterwards, I hope. I mean, it sounds Mm -hmm. terrible, but I hope that they are. I hope that they're going to see some sort of impact from their consumer base and from people leaving their organization because of poor handling of this situation. Because I think that there's there's a variety of things going on. You know, I hear really great examples of companies doing the right thing and making sure that people are able to be at home and work from home or if they have to be in person, like really taking good steps and measures to make it safe for people. And then I hear from, you know, friends of my own of companies that are doing the exact opposite and still putting people at risk for no reason. And, you know, not really following mandates by the government and doing all sorts of weird things like that and putting people at risk. And honestly, going back to the article, it's leading to some abusive leadership situations. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that it's kind of creating this really, it's almost like exacerbating potentially bad leaders are being now put in situations where they have the opportunity to mess up really big and really bad. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's really interesting because there's like something about this situation that obviously one of the reasons it's distressing more broadly is because it feels so out of your control. But Mm -hmm. when you're working for someone who likes to be in control of everything, like an abusive supervisor often likes to feel in control or be able to like control people around them, um, that seems that seems to be like a recipe for some of these things to emerge more strongly because it's not something they can control. And so like they're trying to assert control in other ways by like basically not following the rules or putting their employees in dangerous situations. Um, And it becomes really clear in those scenarios, like that what you probably suspected was true, that your employer might not care very much about you as an employee or whatever is true. And that's like really bad. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's uh, well, let's get into this article because I feel like there's just such good, interesting insights to that ties into what you're just saying and then ties into everything that we've been talking about in terms of the current situation. Um, And while this article, the study was not done, obviously, in this situation, I think there's a lot of takeaways from it. Yeah, definitely. So what's what's the title and the authors and all that? So it is called Abusive Supervision, Thwarted Belongingness, and Workplace Safety, a Group Engagement Perspective. Um, it was published this year, 2020, Journal of Applied Psychology, and it was written by Yang, Zhang, Liu, Lu, and Xiao, Xiao Brook. Probably butchered those names, but anyway, no, you're fine. <laughs> good authors. <laughs> yes. Um, and this article, so it's all about workplace safety and abusive supervision, as I mentioned. So abusive supervision... Just to give some context, it really refers to how an employee perceives their supervisor's um, behaviors towards them. And it's really non-physical aggressive behaviors. So things like, you know, putting people down, um, not taking people seriously, not listening to them, just lots of nonverbal and verbal um, abusive situations, right? Uh, where it's not physical, it's not aggressive in that way, but it's aggressive in the way that they're behaving towards a person. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it really signals that an employee is 
a devalued group member. So if you think about it, if you're having that interaction with a supervisor, you might feel like you are less important to that person. They don't like you, whatever that looks like. Um, but it has to do with the way that you respond. So this whole study is about how you feel about a situation with abusive supervision and how that impacts the way you act in terms of safety. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. So if I have a supervisor who is behaving abusively, I then am likely to feel like I I don't belong in this group. Does it say anything about whether or not the supervisor would be broadly abusive or is it more like dyadic where it's just like that per- the individual person perceives their supervisor as abusive, but it's unclear whether they're abusive to everybody or just to that person? Um, it's unclear whether it's really about the questions they asked about su- abusive supervision is about the direct supervisor and how a person feels about him. So it's your answering question about whether you're not your direct supervisor does things like um, telling me that my thoughts and feelings are stupid. So it mm-hmm. is directed towards the person, not necessarily to the whole group. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. Okay. So it's mm-hmm. from the individual's perspective. So if I perceive yes. my uh, supervisor as abusive, I'm also less likely to perceive myself as being part of the group. Yes. So when it comes to the belongingness piece, it's all about what they're what they call belongingness need satisfaction. Um, and so it's basically whether or not a person um, feels like they are belonging as much as they want to or they need to, right? Mm-hmm. So that's about like one of the items, example items is people at work care about me, right? So mm-hmm. people have this need to want to belong. And if they have these different questions, um, if they answer these questions in such a way that they don't feel accepted or belonging in their work group, um, then they're going to see these impacts. Okay, gotcha. So there's a couple of things um, I just want to touch on uh, when it comes to Abusive supervision, as I mentioned, so abusive supervision leads to people feeling lower safe, uh, leads to lower safety behaviors, right? So Mm -hmm. that's the number one thing they find. First thing they looked at was that. And so safety behavior includes things like I put an extra effort to improve the safety at my workplace. Um, It includes behaviors that are both like participation behaviors, meaning like I'm going to take initiative to make sure that everybody's safe in the work environment that I'm addressing any related safety issues I see, but it also has to do with compliance. So mm-hmm. whether or not I'm following instructions and rules down to the T, like I'm really paying attention to those instructions and rules. So mm-hmm. it's both kind of like I am going out of my way, but also just purely following rules is considered part of safety behavior. So mm. if I am feeling a this abusive supervision, then I'm less likely to do any of those safety behaviors. I'm just not paying attention um, in that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the reason... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and the reason is that belonging this piece. So they find that abusive supervision leads to people feeling that lower belongingness. And then that basically gives them, what they're saying is it primes them to think that they're not as valued or important in the work group. And then that mm-hmm. leads to this unintentional, unintentional safety challenge, right? You're just, you're not mm-hmm. part of the group. You're not valued. You're not important. You don't feel like you belong to the group. So focusing on safety of the group is not something that matters because you're not part of it. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're kind of seeing yourself as outside the group. So anything that would be seen as benefiting um, the group culture, like safety, 
might be something that you just don't think to do because you're sort of not viewing yourself as being in that group. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it's kind of like a, if you think about like houses, I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking of this because we were just looking for houses, but like, like this idea of like pride and ownership that they say, like, oh, this person really mm-hmm. should like pride and ownership. It's kind of like when you feel like really proud to be in a group versus like when you feel more like um, rejected, like I don't feel like I get a lot of positivity from this group. Like um, I'm thinking about, you know, in this study, they measured uh, feelings of um, belonging to the group. But like in other studies, they've looked at like this thing called organizational based self-esteem, which is like mm-hmm. also related to abusive supervision where you feel bad about yourself. And when you don't feel good about yourself or you don't feel good about the group or you don't feel a part of something, I could see you not taking as much like stewardship of the group because it's not, you know, it's not something that you really feel central to. So you're not going to like have that same like pride in ownership uh, where you would take the time to really like either participate in safety behaviors or like weigh in on safety behaviors because you're just not feeling that same set of like emotions coming from it. I love that you brought up that organizational self-esteem piece because they also looked at what they called social standing uncertainty. Hmm. And the reason why that's related is because it's measured similarly to what you just mentioned. Okay. Um, So social status uncertainty is really where, like if I have high social status, social standing uncertainty rather, then I'm basically, I don't know how I belong. Like Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, am I important? Am I not important? Am I a part of this group? Am I not a part of this group? That kind of uncertainty piece. And what it does is when you're feeling that you tend to take more of those cues from your supervisor personally. So if your supervisor is being abusive and mean and rude to you, then you are going to take that and be like, Oh, maybe I don't belong to this group because my supervisor is treating me this way. Hmm. Um, You're more likely to react to it. If you, are clear in your role, if you feel like you understand your social standing in the team, then you are more likely to not be impacted by that supervisor. So I could be in a team and my team members are fine and I know I'm important and I know I um, am making an impact or a difference, then I don't get as impacted by how my supervisor treats me. So just to give some like examples of questions, people understand. So social standing uncertainty, the questions that they would ask are, I am certain that I am taken seriously in this company. So if you are certain, then you're going to have lower uncertainty, right? So you're going to feel good Mm -hmm. about where you stand. I am certain that there's faith in me in this company. I'm certain that I'm trusted in this company. I'm certain that I can make a difference in this company. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of these things, yeah, they have to do with how you feel about your place at the company. Okay. That makes sense. And actually, it's kind of interesting because I do feel that that's really similar to org-based um, self-esteem. Um, so it's, I'd be curious to see uh, how those two measures like relate to each other because it's sort of a similar idea that, um, you know, you're able to uh, basically you feel like you count within the organization is the idea of OBSC. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I feel like I really matter around here. I feel like I really count around here. Um, and so that's kind of interesting. I think this measure sounds like, um, it might be a little bit more geared towards, uh, like a team 
dynamic. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. So if there are ways so to buffer this. Yes, yes. <laughs> so ner- for the, the psych nerds out there, the measurement people, this measure is organizational uh, based self-esteem adding I am certain to the front. That's all it is. Oh. So it's all about how clear you feel about that. So it's not oh. about how. Yeah. So you're. that's why it feels so familiar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm like, that does sound familiar to me to what we did. Um. So, okay, cool. Um. Yeah. So basically it's just adding how certain you are that that's the case. Okay, cool. Um. Mm-hmm. So there is a way then to make up for the negative effects somewhat of abusive supervision on safety if the team members are able to demonstrate or make it very clear that this is that the person is valued. Yep, exactly. So basically, if you feel like you know your place in the company, you know that you're trusted, you know that you can make a difference, then your supervisor being abusive is not going to impact you as much. It's not going to impact how how much you feel like you belong um, and you're going to be more likely to continue being safe. Um, Mm -hmm. but if you aren't sure, if you're not clear, like imagine if you're a new employee and you don't really know your place yet, or your team members are just not very supportive or they're just not even talking to you much about it. Maybe they're just fine, but they're not like exceptionally supportive and you're not a hundred percent sure, then you're going to feel more of this struggle, right? You're going to be feeling less belonging and you're going to be less likely to, to do any of these safety behaviors. Hmm. So I think this is really interesting during this time period in particular, because a lot of companies, like we were saying, are going to be focusing more on increasing safety behaviors and like that's going to continue for the, you know, at least the foreseeable future. So and I think also after this, people will be much more cognizant of what they weren't doing from a safety perspective. Like I think that this will be sort of a wake up call for companies in general about like how much leeway there was before. Uh, so right. <laughs> um, so with companies thinking about all of this stuff, I think that's interesting because basically what this is sort of getting at is if you know that you have a supervisor who has a tendency to be abusive or you perceive that person as abusive, it behooves you and the rest of the team to try to make each other know that you matter in yeah. the in the presence of that supervisor so that you're not likely to see these impacts. So it's kind of like a organization should be aware that if they have somebody who's demonstrated these abusive supervisory patterns in the past, that their safety behaviors are likely to be lower on their team. So that's an issue. Those people should be identified and dealt with. And B, if you are on a team and the organization is not identifying and dealing with that issue, there's something that you and your teammates can do to ensure that you stay safe or are more likely to stay safe under these conditions, even though your leader is not so great. Exactly. Yep. I think that's a great takeaway. Like it's really about obviously addressing the abusive supervisor, but then the fact that the social standing uncertainty has such an impact. Um, it's almost like a reminder that, Hey, make sure your team members feel valued. Make sure that you, you know, tell them when they do something good or when they, you know, let them know that they're an important part of this organization. And it could be anybody. It could be a team member. It could be other leaders. It could be anybody just making sure that that environment of, um, of value and trust and, you know, acceptance of employees overall is going to make a big difference. So if you have one bad apple leader, it won't have as big of an effect if the rest of the organization's culture is supportive and shows that, team members are valued across the organization 
um, as it would if, you know, there, none of that existed. So I think that that's really important that organizations need to obviously address abusive supervision. Um, and then employees can, can take the power back in some ways and make sure everybody feels a sense of belonging. Um, and I think it's also important to know that a lot of times when you see abusive supervision, there's, you know, obviously Katina, you know, the research, but there's research that shows that people will lash out if they don't have the resources they need. Right. So imagine a manager that's under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure and thinking about everything going on right now. Um, they might be more likely to be a little bit abusive because they are stretched thin. That's not an excuse, but it's a fact. And organizations need to make sure that the leaders have all the resources they need so that they can not turn into kind of a negative type of leader. Um, especially during this time of transition and change and refocus on safety and making sure that managers are equipped to handle the whole situation so that they can make ensure that those folks that have the tendency to maybe get into that negative space don't get there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that it's important to make sure that everybody's being taken care of because, yeah, your managers will pass along the like attitude that they get from the company to the people that work for them. And for some people that could mean worse things than for others. So I think it's important for companies to really make sure that they're not putting on the back burner things that they would, you know, be prioritizing under other circumstances, like taking care of their people, checking in with people, seeing how people are doing, making sure they have what they need. And then also, you know, recognizing that if you're in a company that's not handling this well and, you know, you've noticed that your manager at least behaves negatively towards you or maybe the whole team feels that way, um, there is some evidence to suggest that abusive supervisors are not always abusive to everybody. But if you have the tendency to be an abusive supervisor, you generally will be abusive to more than one person on the team. So uh, there's some people who are considered like easier targets than others or more likely to agitate that person for whatever reason. So um, but I think that some of the things that we've been talking about, like virtual get togethers, even if you just have like a um, like a, you know, 15 minute, 20 minute at the end of each week to talk about how everyone's coping and dealing with the situation, at least in the time being, that, you know, you get might get the opportunity to share more about how much you appreciate each other and um, make sure that people recognize that they're valued, even if it's just informally in your team without your leader. Um, we're doing, uh, I'm volunteering to do some compassion circles for uh doctors and uh, nurses and hospital staff right now. My friend is, uh, one of my colleagues is friends with um, someone who's like the head of um, a department um, at a, a Boston a hospital in Boston. And so we're going to be doing these like compassion circles as like volunteer work. And the idea is that their leader's not going to be present and it's just going to be 30 minutes at the end of each week for people to just share how they're coping and to like express gratitude to each other and like share their emotions. And so something like that, I think, could go a long way um, under these circumstances because you might not be able to change your leader or your company, but you can at least change your connection with each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's there's a lot that can be done at the team level if this is happening. Mm -hmm. But I also think that we need to, and we talked about this already, but I think we need to think about... um, Obviously, the organizations, I think, have the 
impetus to they need they're the ones that need to focus on this right yeah i don't think it's fair to put it on the employee fully as you obviously would agree but i think those kinds of compassion circles is a great way that's i mean obviously good, good good for you to be volunteering at this time i think that's really great but also i think that that is something an organization can do that's not a huge lift mm-hmm. to have people build that belonging and those relationships um that even if they have an abusive supervisor they can overcome that yeah um, as a group so it's 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 putting some work on the employee in the sense that the employee has to participate in this if this type of event but they're also giving them a resource to be able to handle um potentially negative supervisors if that was occurring for them yeah definitely and and in this case it was the head of the department that was like you know, I just don't know how communications are like holding together, breaking down what leaders are doing a good job, what ones aren't like, it's difficult for me to keep track of all this. So why don't we just allow the employees to have space to talk about it? And then whatever comes out of these groups can help us to better understand how to address things moving forward. So it's kind of partially uh, to vent, but also partially to get a sense of like, how are people doing? Um, So yeah, I think that's great. That's really great. Because it's definitely, that's a good leadership move. One, to be able to, um, to be able to have that space for these employees, to be able to have those conversations, to understand that some, maybe there are leaders out there that are not as good without necessarily knowing exactly what that looks like. And then to be able to use that information and those sessions to be able to figure out how to improve and continue to make the environment as good as possible. I think that there's, there's a lot that, um, or other organizations can learn from what you're doing here. Cause I think that's really great. I also think that it's important. Like, I know I don't want to put the impetus on the employees at all and what to do in a situation. They have an abusive supervisor, but it could just be a good reminder that if you're in a situation where your leader is abusive, you're not feeling comfortable with that leader. You don't feel like you belong in the group. It's just like a little reminder, mm-hmm. like, Hey, don't forget about safety because it's yeah. really easy to, because it seems yeah. like people just tend to like, you know, not be thinking about that in the same way. And one thing I didn't bring up yet was that they actually looked at how does safety behavior impact performance in this case. So they looked at, okay, so if I have an abusive supervisor, I'm less likely to do safety behaviors, which leads me to get lower safety performance. And the safety performance they looked at was pilot safety data. Yeah. So think about the impact. Like one thing to consider, like in some jobs, it's less important, but there's some jobs that's very, very critical. The safety is super critical. And then right now with coronavirus, it's very, it's pretty much critical for everybody. Right. So Mm -hmm. thinking about what is that long-term impact? Like maybe I don't feel like I belong. Maybe my supervisor isn't good. Maybe I don't feel like, um, a very valued team member, but do I care about what happens if I'm not safe? And so just using this as a reminder, like maybe you're in a really crappy environment. Maybe you're like some of my friends and they're working in businesses that are doing unethical, not cool things right now. But if I was to come into the office and not think about safety or come into my job, come into the grocery store, come into wherever and not think about safety, the environment sucks. But what is that going to do? Is that going to give somebody coronavirus that, you know, in our community, is that going to spread it to other people that I don't want to have a bad impact on. So just trying to remind yourself of the importance of safety for why you're doing it outside of just making sure your, your team members are being safe and, and still yeah. happy, right. Like what is the bigger impact? Yeah. And all of you together being safe, especially in this situation is what 
keeps everyone safe. Like if one person's being unsafe, that could have implications for everybody, including you. So it's like, you know, really thinking about how to make sure that you're um, demonstrating and role modeling those safety behaviors is really important because, you know, while you may not like the environment that you're in, certainly I don't think you want to get sick or have anyone else around you get sick. So, um, so yeah, that's a really good reminder. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, those are the main points from this study. Um, overall relatively straightforward, I think, and very important in this day and age to think about that. I mean, abusive supervisors, abusive behaviors in the workplace are never okay and never good. And, We've, I believe we've talked about it before um, and all the impacts it's going to have on wellness overall. But safety also has a major impact on wellness, obviously. Yeah. So thinking about what you can do in this case. making If you're a manager, if you're a leader, like we already talked about organizations trying to help that out. But if you're a leader, take reflect on how you're acting too. Like take that moment to reflect and think about what does that mean in this environment today where cleanliness, safety, you know, sanitizing everything is incredibly important. What does it mean if you are frustrated or scared and you're taking it out on your staff? How is that going to impact the overall safety? How can you fix that problem and figure out a way to channel your frustrations, your fears, your um, lack of resources, however you're feeling right now, and making sure you're not putting it on other people? And that, of course, applies to employees as well right because as we've already mentioned many many times if your team is making you feel good then the supervisor matters a little bit less so just making sure you're treating everybody the way you would like to be treated in this time and being respectful of them making sure that you're not putting those fears and those lack of resource lack of resources that stress that you're feeling onto other people so that we can continue to be safe in this environment Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Thank you so much for reading this article. I think it's so relevant right now and really helpful for people who are trying to increase their safety behaviors or maintain their safety behaviors um, in the long term in this and then, you know, in other um, issues that may arise moving forward. So thank you so much. Of course. I Yeah, I thought it was very relevant. I'm glad you felt the same way. And we'd love to hear from all of you as well. If you have any thoughts on this, um, any experiences with safety issues changing and struggling during this time we'd love to hear from you you can reach us at contact at workerbeing.com you can find us on our website which is workerbeing.com and you can also find us on social media so linkedin facebook instagram twitter at workerbeing thanks for listening the Worker Being podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.